3: T's and C's apply, New South Wales, authorisation number tp slash
1: 01005. nz. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
4: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all. It's a bit of a wow Wednesday for us today. We have a, a huge show with some really big players involved. Uh, We're going to begin with uh, Kevin Senio. Kevin is, of course, uh, the rugby director of Moana Pacifica. Uh, They can't take a trick at the moment, can they? And they can't play a game. But uh, it's scheduled that perhaps in around nine days' time they might make their debut into Super Rugby. Let's hope uh, that all goes well. And uh, while certain teams are starting to head home from Queenstown, they're still very much ensconced down there. So Kevin Senio very shortly. Uh, George Worker, magnificent uh, performance yesterday yesterday with Martin Guptill, uh, a top-class opening partnership uh, for the Auckland Aces as they put to bed uh, the Otago Volts and earned themselves a place in the Ford Trophy final against the Central Stags coming up this weekend. So George Worker, a former Stag himself, after that, uh, about 9.30. Just after 10 o'clock, well, Foxy's home. Ryan Fox is home, uh, and he's in his own house, which is great, which will make him very, very happy. Uh, So we'll get the, the lowdown on that last tournament win in person uh, and what's going uh, in terms of the calendar, the golfing calendar uh, with bearing in mind uh, life at the moment what uh, Foxy has got planned coming up because uh, he's uh, playing really well and that was some sort of win uh, Andrew Gordy and Kimberly Downs will be our combo on the panel uh, just after 20 past 10 and uh, the the doyen, the real doyen we've got him after 11 o'clock the doyen of uh, radio sport uh, in the years uh, over the what the 9 to 12 slot he made it his own Brendan Telfer one of the legends of New Zealand broadcasting uh, he'll come in just after 11 because it's Halberg time and no one better in the country to uh, have a look at the various categories and the possible winners so plenty on uh, as well as a stump smithy around about
2: 11.30 Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's sermon
4: I really hope there's nothing in the saying good rehearsal bad performance because the White Ferns prep is really impressive, trending beautifully towards the World Cup opener in under two weeks now. They have dominated India, who are a fair side. India, they will claim some victories, important ones too over the next month or so, but they can't take a trick against our girls no matter the format. The big guns are firing up front, Bates, Divine, Kerr and Satterthwaite, chasing down or setting up big numbers in the other units are gelling nicely in behind and whilst the finishing touches continue to be applied many teams sit in quarantine or just out of it and watch out the window it's all good top four minimum and then it's on the day and that's when you look around at familiar surroundings even a sparse home crowd with friends and family you'll find that little bit extra knowing that it means just that little bit more uh, more important in terms of being at home on display And while the sporting wheel continues to spin, it's to be hoped the newfound love of snow sports does not melt away. Very poor pun. Sometimes one tends to scoff and ignore at the skills that can never be attained by oneself. I've been guilty of that often. But these fantastic kids who have dared and risked and amazed over the last fortnight deserve better than that. Much better. Etched are the names like Sadusky, Sinnott, Porteous, even as they approach their early 20s. Store the other ones away, but not too far, the future looks very good. Sadly you can consign half pipe big air, melon grabbing and backside stomping to the corner of the garage for the meantime, as ruck more reset 40-20, 50-22 begin to emerge. Drivers back, so too first up the fence, advantage lines and momentum shifts, and that's just outside the beehive. The games in Beijing are over, they are well and truly over but they still continue here at home. Yes, hoping to talk to uh, Kevin Senior very shortly. Uh, Just getting back to those white fans. Gosh, they were amazing. Yesterday they had to change... Uh, Their whole approach, because the the nature of the game changed, but Melie Kerr, who we talked to last week, uh, continued her hot run of form, uh, this time with 63 runs. It was uh, a limited uh, a 2020 match, really, uh, after the morning rain cleared. Uh, But they were immediately on the attack after being sent in to Bates, Devine, Kerr, Satterthwaite, all had to fire, and they did. Uh, But Kerr stole the show uh, and finishing unbelievably on uh, 68 off just 33 balls. That's some power hitting. Uh, So she's looking in in extremely good form. Uh, And uh, then, of course, they defended that with ease. So the bowling attack is is looking good too. Um, uh, Jess Kerr with uh, 3 for 30. Jensen, uh, sorry, 2 for 11. Uh, Jensen, 3 for 32. Frankie Mackay, 2 for 22. And Melly Kerr again, 3 for 30. So uh, she's going to be a key player. She was years and years ago. Um, and I say that when she was only about fifteen and sixteen, uh, she's a terrific player when she first emerged, uh, and now it looks like just at the right time, uh, she's getting it together for uh, the White Ferns just prior to the World Cup. Uh, and also in cricket news yesterday, what an amazing partnership uh, between Martin Guptill and uh, George Worker, who we will be speaking to just after nine thirty this morning, uh, an Auckland all wickets one day record of two hundred and sixty. Yeah, 260 for the first wicket. How demoralising is that for a young bowling attack from uh, the Otago Volts? So they won by 96, 96, and uh, the Otago Volts were uh, snuffed out. It's as simple as that. Uh, they weren't able to uh, to match the, the aces yesterday on the background of Eden Park. The Central Stags uh, are now the top qualifier, of course, and uh, they will be at home. So this will be uh, interesting. Uh, they've got to fly to Queenstown for the big match. So, interesting. Very interesting that they're going all the way down. I'm sure the Stags would have loved to have uh, had a crack for that title at uh, Pukekura Park in front of, what, 100 people. Uh, but at least they know Pukekura Park. Perhaps not so on Davies Oval. But having a look at the, the scores that the, the ladies have been getting down there, a big score is in the offing there. 300-plus uh, you would expect batting first and then go out and defend it. So that is uh, the Ford Trophy coming up this weekend. Uh, we're going to uh, take a short break here, but the subject for today is quite a simple one. 88833, uh, 88833 is our text number, and uh, who who for you will win the Helberg Awards? Who f- would uh, win the Helberg Awards for you? Uh, look, uh, it's tonight, uh, it's uh, a revamped type schedule, I think about 100 people, mostly recipients, athletes, uh, coaches, etc. Uh, no families or anything like that, they're reduced to uh, 100 people, so... Uh, it's going to be a, a, a bit of a damp squib in terms of sub, a real celebration, but at least uh, we will be acknowledging our performances of 2021. So you're looking at Sportswoman of the Year, Man of the Year, Team of the Year, Para-athlete or Team of the Year, and Coach of the Year. The other five categories, so double eight, double three, who's your pick? Simple as that. Uh, on the back of the fact that, uh, Logan, that uh, the bubble has, uh, seems to have burst in Queenstown. Uh, the Chiefs are on their way home uh, today. So they'll base themselves back in the, the mighty Waikato uh, and the other teams will filter their way back as uh, this weekend's matches are done and dusted. So uh, except for Moana Pacifica and the Crusaders, it seems, who will stay for their inaugural game, Moana Pacifica and Dunedin next week. That's that's the way I'm reading it at the moment. Is Is that what you see?
1: Yeah, that's how I see it too, Smithy. Uh, Great time to jump into the hot seat myself there. JD is running the phones and doing a great job, so hopefully we get Kevin on shortly. Uh, But in terms of Super Rugby and the bubble, I mean, it just feels like we're on this really wobbly tightrope right now. Uh, it's going to be a tough balancing act, uh, trying to keep the game going uh, and at the same time, you know, not trying to put the team, the teams and their staff at risk uh, during what is this uh, current wave of the uh, Omicron variant. Uh, of course, you mentioned there, yeah, the Chiefs are making an early exit out of Queenstown. That's something I would probably never do. I've I, Bloody love Queenstown, it's one of my favourite places in the world but of course we're in different times at the moment and you know things could still escalate. Uh, New Zealand Rugby have said that they want to favour midweek games to catch up on the schedule rather than extend the season because of course the rugby calendar is usually jam packed throughout the year uh, as it is so... Extending the season will probably only create more complications but uh, we are in the world that we live in right now and with those complications if you condense the season of course there's going to be the potential issue of further injuries with players so uh, I mean fingers crossed that bubble doesn't burst entirely and Super Rugby comes crashing down. It is the absolutely last thing we'd want to see, Smithy.
4: It is actually and the, the, the fact that they're going home means of course that all those peripheral players and support staff that weren't included because they did take uh, reduced squads down to Queenstown now can rejoin so they can be back to their full numbers in in that regard. So, yeah, that Chiefs uh, side can come home because that game against Moana Pacifica this weekend, of course, has been postponed. That'll be a midweek game. Uh, I I don't see much uh, of of an issue with that. I mean, it's going to be physically pretty tough on some of those sides that have to have midweek games as well uh, and have a very... uh, tight turnover as such uh, but then that uh, test will test the depth of the squad as well so uh, interesting very very interesting indeed that uh, they've come to this point but um, the bursting of the bubble so, uh, so to speak uh, as Logan has come a lot quicker than people suspected uh, we've, we thought it might be a bit bit longer than two to three weeks uh, bearing in mind that the numbers are going up around the country <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're a little bit
1: worried about that, aren't we? I think we're all crossing our fingers that everything will be fine and we're going to get all the rugby that we uh, hope and dream for. Uh, I have seen similar situations happen around the world quite recently uh, when the Omicron variant was sweeping through Canada. Uh, The lucrative World Juniors tournament had to make the decision to cancel their tournament. That makes a lot of money for the host broadcaster, TSN, and also uh, for Hockey Canada there. But they simply just couldn't continue on. Having to condense the schedule, and uh, shift things around was only going to damage the integrity of that tournament as I said and you know Super Rugby Civic we, we don't want to see that same thing uh, happen there but there's going to be this increased risk of uh, contamination and everything it's just it's all going up and I mean I don't want to sound like a doomsday here uh, first day on the mic but uh, I think we just really really want our rugby uh, I hope everyone is going to be safe and just everything goes according to plan.
4: Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, we'll keep an eye on that, and uh, hopefully, we'll get through to Kevin Senior at some point. Uh, Dylan White has uh, Dylan White has signed that contract. Uh, by the way, we just heard it in the news to fight Tyson Fury uh, just hours before the deadline. Uh, that fight is uh, scheduled to take place on the twenty third of April. Now, that's not that far away. Um, when you look at preparation for a super heavyweight fight like that, uh, White has spent the last few days negotiating details of the deal. Eight million US. Um, it was a surprise, he said, the man signed for the biggest payday, Fury said, he's going to get in his life. White is the mandatory challenger uh, to Fury's B C belt and has been waiting years for a shot at the world title uh, as the WBC's number one ranked contender. After lengthy discussions between both teams came to nothing, Frank Warren's Queensbury Promotions won the purse bids with a $60 million bid beating White's promoter. Eddie Hearn, who was the only other bidder, so Fury is now to receive eighty percent of that uh, that pool—a mere forty million bucks for the Gypsy King—staggering, staggering numbers.
1: Yeah, I I love the Tyson Fury show. It's just he's the gift that just keeps on giving, uh, isn't he? Just he's always a classic line. I I still remember. God, I think it was like twenty seventeen, and he uh, he's. Topless in a press conference. He gets up, he wiggles his belly, and he's just, he's given us the full Gypsy King show. Uh, I love him. He's, we always love entertaining characters like that in sport, don't we, Smithy? And he is right up there. So, signing that fight there with uh, Dillian Wyatt, that's going to be a big one for sure.
4: It is, actually. A big one tonight, too, um, in Auckland uh, with the uh, handing out of the Halberg uh, Awards. It'll be an abbreviated type show. Uh, because of COVID restrictions they uh, we are in red but that does mean that they can have some sort of a function as opposed to nothing I think last year so this will be good uh, Sportswoman of the Year uh, Dame Lisa Carrington, Courtney Duncan, Emma Twigg, Sarah Herini or Lydia Ko now that is as strong a women's category I think as we've ever had ever had uh, so a real tough one there maybe Lisa Carrington is the favourite there Uh, Sportsman of the year, Hamish Bond. Of course, there'll be sentimentality about him now that he's finished. Scott Dixon just continues to deliver an Indy car, of course. Kane Williamson, heck of a year um, with the bat and as a leader. Uh, And Paul Cole, uh, he has had a phenomenally good year putting men's squash, and squash in particular, back on the map here in New Zealand after it had had a bit of a hiatus for quite some time. Paul Cole uh, has brought it back to the fore. Uh, the teams of the year, the Black Caps, can't get much better than being the World Test Champions. Uh, would have sealed the deal, of course, if they had won the World uh, T20 Championship. Didn't manage to do that. Uh, the Black Fern Sevens, of course, gold medalists, ever so popular team uh, within our country. They just put the right face and ability on everything that they do. Emirates Team New Zealand, of course, uh, the, t- uh, the sailing event. But there's that uh, stigma, I think, about uh, America's Cup that perhaps... Uh, might not uh, let them get it and uh, the furor around where it's going to be. I think all those things, it shouldn't be, but in the back of the mind of of some of the judges, I'm sure. Uh, The men's rowing eight. Now, this is a good story, isn't it? Uh, Reinventing the Blue Ribbon event and being the best at it in the world. uh, That will uh, warrant some really worthy consideration. The men's rowing eight, which, of course, did include Hamish Bond, uh, the women's rowing pair of Kerry Gala and Grace Prendergast, Fantastic performance by uh, that pair as well at the Olympics. So the Para Olympic team of the year, or athlete or team of the year, so Dame Sophie Pascoe, outstanding again. Uh, Lisa Adams, Holly Robinson and Anna Grimaldi, two uh, young ladies we spoke to, both Dunedin-Based, who are outstanding achievers, and Tupu Noifi, of course, uh, out of the pools as well. So they're the other para-athlete and team of the year, Dame Sophie Pascoe, maybe, maybe the sentimental favourite. Uh, possibly with uh, all that she's gone through, particularly fighting those mental battles and not really knowing she was going to be there uh, until it actually happened. And coach of the year is an interesting one. Uh, Alan Bunting and and, uh, Corey Sweeney, who put together that wonderful program for the Black Fern Sevens. So uh, they're a real uh, possibility there. Uh, Gary Stead. Uh, Gary Stead, quietly spoken, coach of the Black Caps, who has uh, been a real achiever with his squad. Uh, over uh, took him over from uh, Mike Hesson. It was a nice little base that he had to operate from, but it could have gone either way, and he's taken it forward, Gary Stead. There's no doubt about that. Uh, found some new players along the way, but certainly found a feel. Uh, Gary Stead might be uh, a, a bit of a smoky there for coach of the year. Gordon Walker, of course, uh, undoubted, the canoe racing side of things, uh, so strong in that department. And Tony O'Connor, uh, the rowing. Usually with uh, Olympic years, uh, the canoe racers, uh, the rowers, Uh, become very prominent in that regard so and at the end of that after all those five categories of course you're looking at a supreme winner so I don't know Uh, even at this what 10 or 11 hours out from the actual event I, I got no idea Logan to be fair have you got one?
1: Uh, well, I do know there's always a lot of politics uh, surrounding the Halberg Awards. Now, later on the show, we got uh, Andrew Gordy on the panel and Kimberly Downs. Of course, uh, Gordy and his crew there in Newshub put out their uh, predictions on, on who would win. Uh, the big one that might might be a controversy, at least for uh, a few people in the horse racing sector, uh, is that jockey James McDonald was snubbed for the Sportsman of the Year. Uh, I know that I've seen a few questions flown around on Twitter about that one. Uh, as far as sportswoman of the Year goes, I mean, you can't go past Dame Lisa Carrington, can you? That was just the most, probably one of the greatest moments of the year uh, in terms of the sporting calendar for me, just watching her just absolutely dominate the competition there in Tokyo. Uh, much like Zoe and Nico, it just made you proud to be a New Zealander. Uh, and I know there's a stacked category, Emma Twigg, uh, winning that gold medal, uh, in her event, after the fourth time trying, you know, she finally got there. She, you know, as uh, the, the great man once said, knocked the bastard off. So we will see. I mean, I would love to see Dame Lisa take it away. And I mean, as far as Supreme Halberg goes, surely Dame Lisa also takes that one away.
4: Well, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I think she's probably a, a favourite. She's probably at the, at the bookies office, probably. Uh, a favourite, but I'm not 100% sure on that. There are some really worthwhile candidates in there. So double eight, double three, please, if you get the opportunity today, give us your vote on any one of those categories or the overall winner. I mean, in this an Olympic year and a Winter Olympic year, um, uh, we can't really judge uh, those ones, the Winter Olympic ones, because they'll come into next year, but uh, certainly it's been high on the agenda thinking about that, and you can compare their performances uh, to the ones in these various categories. Uh, where does it stand for you? Uh, who do you think should be our Supreme Athlete of the Year? Uh, goodness knows. Goodness knows for me. Uh, what about Coach of the Year? Does Gary Stead rate a mention for you? Uh, no uh, all-black coaches in there, of course. Bearing in mind it was a pretty average year towards the end last year. So uh, Ian Foster and Co not rating a mention in that regard. And uh, uh, how do you compare the teams uh, when you look at the Black Caps, the Black Ferns, uh, Emirates Team New Zealand, yachting fans may well say, look, uh, you know, why aren't they in there? Is it because they're regarded as an elitist sport and uh, you're looking at them in a different regard? Uh, the men's rowing eight, I think, is something very special about the men's rowing eight. They could easily take it. Uh, the men's, uh, the women's rowing pair, Kerry Gola and Grace Prendergast as well with that super effort that they put up uh, as well in uh, the Tokyo Olympics. So uh, very, very good Uh Group of uh, athletes across the board and teams across the board and coaches uh, for that matter. The James McDonald one's an interesting one for me. Uh, James McDonald, how do you, how do you compare? Would you compare uh, James McDonald, who of course does all his riding in Australia or other parts of the world? Sure, he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, he is out and out Kiwi, there's no doubt about it. Uh, doing his uh, best overseas, uh, so I, I don't have a problem with that. But it's pretty hard to envisage James McDonald uh, standing alongside someone wearing a gold medal around their neck, an Olympic gold medal around their neck, or holding on to um, a world title as such uh, for what they do in their particular sport. I mean, does James McDonald stand on the dais uh, alongside Hamish Bond? Does he? Uh, I, I think uh, perhaps rug racing fans might say yes. I, I think he'd, he's an honourable mention. And if there was a category of, of five, you could perhaps uh, throw him in, but Uh, They reduced it down to only four and eliminated James McDonald. I haven't got a massive problem with that, and I'm a huge racing fan and a huge admirer of James McDonald's ability, but I just don't think uh, in this particular event or this particular season of Halberg's that he would be fitting the bill as the winner. Honourable mention, no doubt about that. Look, it's 9.30 here on SENZ. We've waffled ourselves to death. Uh, We've finally got through. We deserve a medal ourselves. Uh, it's time for the news. And when we come back, hopefully we'll have George Worker to talk about some, some cricket and some great form. Well, a 260-run opening stand yesterday between George Worker and Martin Gupta has launched the Auckland Aces into Saturday's Ford Trophy 50-over uh, final. That will be against the Central Stags. Uh, the Auckland confirmed their place by beating Otago, uh, really smashing them by 96 runs uh, at uh, Eden Park number 2 ground yesterday. And uh, we're joined this morning by George Worker, uh, who top scored with 122 in the ace of massive total of 380 for six. George, uh, that is some striking. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, you and Guppy have got quite the partnership going there.
3: Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, no, boys, uh, boys pretty uh, played well, and uh, Guppy and I managed to get a few away at the top and um, set a good platform. And um, fortunately enough, we're able to get a win to, more importantly, get us into that uh, final on Saturday.
4: And the other thing was, uh, George, that was the inaugural playing of the Ross Dykes Trophy. Uh, so uh, that, for a lot of those players, particularly in both camps, would have had quite a lot of feeling about it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously a great occasion. Um, D- Dykes, he was a, a great man and um, you know, did a lot for cricket and Otago cricket, so Um, Yeah, it was a really special occasion and um, it was uh, just, uh, I guess, pleasing for everyone to to put on a good spectacle for them.
4: Well, that was a a great start um, with yourself and and Guppy. I mean, uh, that's just fantastic striking. Those numbers are good. But, I mean, you just set out at the start of the day, you've got no idea what's uh, about to unfold. So as it was developing, um, what were you saying to each other?
3: Um, I guess we just sort of said just carry on batting. Like every every over we spoke, and um, there wasn't any pressure on us to score or anything. We just had a had a pretty good thing going, and um, we just said just just bat. And um, we we're obviously both reasonably good touch. And uh, Guppy's uh, so good to bat with. He's, he's he's class. So you can just sort of roll on the back of him, and and um, there's never any any scoreboard pressure or anything like that. So um, yeah, we just we just said just bat really.
4: And and so uh, for those people sitting at home listening, uh, setting up a total as opposed to chasing one, uh, when you know the conditions, you know the dimensions of the ground, etc., um, what what are you sort of saying there? Do you, do you have a number in mind or do you just sort of say, listen, let's just uh, hit big, hit big and, and just see?
3: yeah yeah I think so i we didn't really have a target in mind we 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 were lucky we we got off to a bit of a fly with guppy getting some early boundaries away and and um and then yeah as i guess as the the innings went on we we managed to to, to stay uh, above a runner ball and then um i guess yeah we we knew we had a lot of fire firepower in the tank with glenn phillips and um and mark Chapman and a few others in, in the still in the shed, so we just i guess we're we're playing with that, that freedom. And, um, but again, you know, that batsmanship as well, always trying to assess the wicket and um, keep, keep wickets in hand for that final 20. And um, we're lucky enough that it came off for us yesterday.
4: I'll tell you what, 260 is amazing. That's the largest ever partnership for any list day history for Auckland uh, batting performance, which is cool. But the record is 321. I was reading the 321 by Jeet uh, Reval, of course, who had a season or two for the Central Stags. And then uh, Jamie Howe, Ah, uh, back in two thousand twelve, oh, yeah. thirteen. So when you get, I was wondering to 60, what that was. Yeah, yeah, three twenty one is some sort of number, isn't
3: it? Oh, it's unbelievable. I actually remember the game. I wasn't playing for CD at the time, but um, but I still, I, I think it played at Seddon Park, was it? And and Jamie Howe went on to score a double hundred, and and G obviously got a big hundred as well. So three hundred. I was actually wondering what the top partnership was, and three hundred twenty. geez, that's, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough to beat for anyone, I reckon
4: so you 're obviously hitting it pretty well, and uh and guppy obviously as you 're saying is, is striking the ball quite beautifully he 's in a pretty good run of form isn 't he
3: yeah he is he's a, being at the other end it's um yeah it's just a different type of striking really it 's really impressive he's um, obviously a big lad and got those big long leaves and just hits the ball as clean as anyone really that i 've seen so um it's always it's always um I guess it puts you know puts your mind at ease a little bit walking out to bat with Guthy when he's in that vein of form it's um it's um yeah sight to behold it's it's um nice to be at the other end and it makes certainly makes my job easier as well.
4: Well, George, you were, of course a CD boy through and through to be honest, the Huntley School down there in the Rungatiki area and and then going up through the uh, through the grades in uh, Stags uniforms at various age groups etc. Uh, that must have been quite a big decision for you uh, to leave up up ship and, and, and sail up to, to Auckland as such?
3: Yeah, it was. It was a tough decision. I'd, I'd been living in Auckland for the last sort of seven years and just commuting down to, to CD to play most of my cricket, obviously down in Napier and New Plymouth, which is our main home ground. So um, I spent a lot of time on the roads in the previous sort of seven seasons. So um, I probably got to a point where I had to, had to move down to Napier and make that my base and carry on playing for CD. Um, or, or move to the Aces, and I've got a I've got a place here in Auckland now, and I guess it's my home. So um, it just came down to spending a little bit less time on the road and more time at home, and um, trying to make it a little bit more settled. So um, it certainly wasn't an easy decision, but um, it's I'm enjoying my time up here with the Aces lads. Yeah.
4: So you're a full time cricketer as such. I mean, you've you've had a taste of uh, what it's like to be an international cricketer and a contracted one as that. So I. I, I you doing anything else in Auckland? I mean, it's always a point of interest to me how, how uh, guys that are uh, probably playing most of their cricket domestically uh, get by and how they fill their year out as such.
3: Yeah. I mean, obviously the the last couple of years with the whole COVID thing, it's probably just, um, that's sort of determined what we've been doing in the off season a little bit, but, um, I haven't been able to travel overseas, but this year I'm heading back over to the UK and got a club uh, contract over there. But over the last couple of years, I've just finished my degree and um, I'm doing a, a, um, a financial advisor's course at the moment. So looking at that, going down that path that um, after after cricket, I'm 32 now, so hopefully I can carry on playing cricket for, I don't know, maybe four or five years, see how I go. But um, yeah, certainly looking at things after cricket. And um, But yeah, as I say, this this year... Um, I've, got a, I've signed a contract in, in the UK to, for a club over there so I'm looking forward to, to getting back and, and travelling traveling overseas again
4: So the batting side of uh, the Auckland Aces is, uh, is undoubted Glenn Phillips in there, Mark Chapman of course is uh, doing a fine job uh, Ben Horn from time to time uh, Look, you've got a, a pretty solid unit there but you need a, uh, the bowling unit which is perhaps not quite so well known um, Tell us how that's developed this year
3: yeah, I mean that's probably we've actually um, got on the back of Ben Lister, our opening bowler, he left arm left arm seamer who's who's really developed into um, a front line um, swing bowler. He, he um, he's been really impressive and he's come leaps and bounds. Um, we've got him, and then we've got Lockie, who we, I think we're getting back for this this coming um, or tomorrow's game against CD, which is a which is a bit of a dead rubber the last round robin game before our the final on Saturday. Um, so I think we've got Lockie back, and then we've also got. Um, Mark Somerville who's done just a great job throughout the middle with his with his off spin and he um contains really well and then we've got a young um Eddie Ashok, a uh, young leg spinner who's um a really exciting prospect for Auckland and he's um he's already had some great performances this year in the twenty twenties and the one day. So um we've got, yeah, a good a good mix of um, you know, some experienced team, the locky in there with some pace and some left arm, and then some off spin and some leggy. So and um, and Sean Soulie's actually been doing a really good job throughout the middle as well. So um, yeah, we're, we're we're pretty well balanced. Um, obviously, C D are a good, a really uh, you know good side and a well balanced one day one day side too. So we're going to have to play our best cricket, but um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm backing us and really excited about it. Well,
4: George, it's unusual scenario. Uh, there's a couple really. Uh, one the final will be in Queenstown, which is uh, a long, long way for either of your bases. Uh, the other one is you're playing each other again uh, before that, which uh, I find uh, just a little bit strange. So I guess there's some uh, uh, some uh, psychological points uh, to be made here.
3: Yeah, it is an unusual scenario. We've um, we've played a lot of cricket in the last week because of the schedule. We we played Friday, Sunday, and then we obviously played yesterday, and then we play again on on Thursday, and then and then the final on Saturday. So I imagine we might rest a couple of our seamers and um, and and get them ready for the game in the weekend. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it is a bit of a, a psychological uh, battle going into the weekend, but. Um, to be honest, I think regardless of the result, whichever way it goes on Thursday, um, won't have too much bearing on Saturday to be honest. I think um, the team that turns up and performs the best on Saturday I think will take it out so um, that will certainly be the focus.
4: Is one day cricket, white ball cricket um, your strongest format now? Is that, is that your major focus?
3: Yeah, certainly it is smithy for me. Um I love the one day format. Um, I think it encompasses all aspects of the game and I still I still really enjoy um playing four day cricket and love it, but um I guess uh, you know the one day game suits me my, in and my game, I'd say the say the the best, yeah.
4: Okay, so um the, the stags um you know them all very very well. Um is it uh, likely to be loud and and clear out there as far as you're concerned or are, are those days are those days
3: gone? <laughs> oh, we'll have to wait and see. But those days, those days are sort of gone. A little bit smithy. Um I get on really well with all the all the CD lads, and um, I really enjoyed my time playing with them. And and they've have actually had the rub of the green on me this year. I haven't really scored too many runs against them, so I'm going to have to bloody change that leading into the weekend.
4: Okay. So the other thing uh, um, we've just seen the recall of. Hamish Rutherford back into the test squad um, I, I'm not sure even Hamish imagined that might happen but I guess what it does show is that uh, the selectors are looking at players still who have played in the past and have had a bit of a resurgence in their career so you've got to have a goal apart from um, making money and, and paying the bills. Uh, George so is the Black Caps uh, a closed door for you and uh, your thinking or very much still open?
3: Uh, i 'm not sure whether it 's a closed door or not Smithy. I would guess um, you know obviously you, you still have aspirations to represent your country, and I think that 's why you still play the game and that 's why you, you turn up to train and you put in the in the yard so um, I guess you never say never and um, you know as, as Rudds has seen this uh, last week so um, yeah i mean it 's not really my focus, I would say, Smithy. I just want to uh, enjoy my cricket and, and try and perform the best as I can for C- uh, see for Auckland and. Um I guess in the past, probably you know a few years ago you, you can get a little bit caught up with it, um, so I'm just trying to just um, yeah take it day as it comes and just trying to um, yeah, contribute as much as I can to Auckland, and, and if it happens, it happens, great, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm, I'm content with that too.:
4: uh, Admittedly it was uh, Pukekura Park, uh, but it seems like the old man, uh, Ross Taylor, is striking it pretty well all of a sudden.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is, he is. It was pretty uh looked pretty devastating innings down there at Pukakura Park. Well well you can never count Roscoe out, isn't he? But he he's he's an incredible player, so um I don't think it was any real surprise when he um when he when he came out and, and scored the fastest eight hundred the other day. It's um yeah, it's impressive stuff and I'm sure Roscoe will still have that um that desire and, and passion to, to try and win a title for C D so he'll um he'll be focused as ever, I'm sure.
4: Well, you got a busy week of cricket ahead, George. Proper uh, preparation and certainly some uh, serious game time. I uh, wish you all the best. I uh, hope it goes well, and uh, particularly, too, when you look to travel overseas and get back over there, stay safe, travel safe, and uh, we'll see you uh, around the traps at some stage. Thanks, George.
3: Cheers, Smelly. Thanks for having me on. Take care.
4: Yeah, yeah same to you. George Worker there, a uh, really good young cricketer and, uh, of course, still uh, applying his trade and still... Uh, At the age of 32, and I say still at the age of 32. 32 is still very young, actually, isn't it? Uh, And, uh, of course, just sounds like he's got the passion that he uh, has always had. I remember watching George Worker uh, when he was playing for Huntley School, um, and that is a private school uh, down in the Rungatiki area, uh, playing against uh, a team that uh, my son was in, and George Worker was head and shoulders uh, above uh, the rest of those players in those two teams. He was a standout, uh, George Worker at school level, a little bit like Kane Williamson was. Um, and uh, when he was in the Bay of Plenty at uh, Tauranga Intermediate then Tauranga Boys Kane Williamson was simply something else so yeah George Wecker uh, in the same category and uh, gone on to forge a pretty good career in his own right it's 9.46 here on SENZ <music> uh, a couple of texts uh, have come in uh, you've been pretty quiet actually on it who is your winner of the Halbergs this year uh, sportswoman, sportsman, team of the year para-athlete team of the year Uh, or Coach of the Year. So uh, double eight, double three uh, for those. But John has come in and said, uh, first of all, can you please find out if the public can attend Women's Cricket World Cup matches, uh, the same as 100 people pods at Test and Christchurch. It's only nine days away and nothing has been communicated. That, I understand, John, has a plan at this stage, uh, to have them in as many pods as they can around the ground. Um, And perhaps if they could have up to 800 to maybe 1,000 in some of those grounds, that would be uh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, wouldn't make it a loss cause and uh, predominantly they would be New Zealand fans as you would expect uh, and they'll they'll get the feeling that uh, they need here at home. So I I think that will be the case. Uh, You would have to think, says John, uh, had uh, New Zealand been in the situation of restrictions two months ago, uh, ICC may have transferred this tournament to Australia. uh, Sixteens and MIQ for 10 days. No training must have them all disadvantaged. I, I believe that certainly does help New Zealand's cause. Uh, but Australia are a fine sign. If you chuck some adversity, Australian teams, male or female, they'll generally uh, thrive on it. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how the other teams have, have handled that. Uh, a lot of them are uh, flying under the radar. We don't know too much about them. It'll be very much in the early part of this uh, World Cup tournament a learning exercise for commentators, for fans, et cetera, just to look at the strengths and the quality of uh, the various opposition. But we do know Australia are favourites. Uh, We do know that uh, England uh, will be there. Uh, There's no doubt about it. They'll be worthy. Uh, And, of course, we now know that uh, New Zealand are on track playing excellent cricket. So we'll just see how that one uh, comes to pass And uh, any uh, pre-match tournament games, any form games, uh, we might just get a bit of a hint as to the strength of some of the other sides. Um, And John has also said the rowing eight to win team of the year and coach... Uh, of course of the year as well I'll get that one too uh, and, and that will be Tony O'Connor so uh, we wish uh, the rowing guys all the best uh, Carlos has come in and said uh, let's not forget that the Halbergs this year uh, judged over the last two years not just that last year because they weren't handed out last year well uh, that is true uh, but you always kind of think that mo- most uh, memories uh, the latest memories are the most important ones uh, and have uh, these performances of 2021 outweighed the ones of 2020. Uh, if you look down those list, if you look down that list, you tend to think so. It's 9.54 here on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to
1: fold
2: up. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
4: Well, we're still hanging on uh, for yesterday's multi because the Villarreal are playing Juventus at the moment. We need a draw in that. At halftime, Juventus lead just by the barest of margins, one 0 So we need a Villarreal goal in the second half. Uh, today's one, uh, it's tennis dominated. Andy Murray to beat Sinner at two dollars forty-five. That's the ATP in Dubai. Uh, the ATP in Acapulco, where Berrettini will beat Paul at $1.32. thirty-two. And tonight in the A-League, Western United to beat Sydney FC. At $2.63, a really nice, healthy $8.50 if that one manages to come in. Uh, it's coming up 10 o'clock here on SENZ after the break. Golf and Ryan Fox.
1: Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ,
4: And it is 10.03 here on SENZ. Well... Just over a week ago, Ryan Fox picked up the biggest win of his career on the European Tour, taking out the Ras Al Khaimah Classic Tournament in the UAE in a wire-to-wire performance, which was quite outstanding. Uh, the good news from him, apart from that one, of course, is he's now out of MIQ, which is great, and back home in New Zealand and fresh, uh, I think, from doing some dad duties this morning. So, uh, Ryan, thanks very much uh, for joining us. I know you're a pretty busy man. Uh, uh, getting back into family life but man uh, what a a, a great fortnight it's been for you
5: yeah thanks Smithy. it's uh, certainly been a good one Um, obviously you know to go to wire um, at at an event like that with a decent field and you know I guess going to Sunday having a six shot lead and dealing with all the nerves and all of that stuff was was pretty awesome and um, I'll a bit of an anticlimax coming back to do seven days in MIQ, but I uh, certainly enjoyed uh, doing daddy-daughter swimming lessons this morning. So it's, uh,
4: it's all yeah. good now. Yeah, it is all good, mate. Uh, honestly, it all, is all good. Uh, life's uh, treating you a, a good deal better than I think the last time we spoke around about uh, six months ago when uh, coming home was even an issue.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely got a little bit easier. I mean, this trip, I, I struggled to get a spot to get home, but, um, you know, it's looking a lot more positive in that sense. And, um, yeah, I mean, six months ago, I was kind of fighting for my job a little bit and stressed out about if I could get home and, you know, have the family was was overseas as well and we were worried about getting stuck. And, and now I've got status till the end of 20, 2024 and, um, you know, get in every tournament on the DP World Tour that I, that I want to get in and, um, yeah, all, all is good. It's amazing what what one good week can do.
4: Uh, people say, uh, was there a temptation to? I mean, golfers, when you you hit top gear and, and form becomes a big thing, like it does in a lot of sports, I guess. Was there a temptation to about face and and stay and play more tournaments? While um, you know that feeling was there, or it was that MIQ that drove you home and you had to be here.
5: Um, I, I, I was MIQ in the end that drove me home, but. Um, my original plan was to come back for the New Zealand Open and the New Zealand PGA, which you know, obviously got cancelled a few weeks ago, which is uh, you know, very frustrating for a lot of people. But um, the, we actually don't have any events on the, on the tour this week, uh, last week or this week. Um, so it was kind of, you know, even if I wanted to play, I couldn't play. I could have maybe tried to get an invite somewhere in the US or something like that, but that might have been tough. So it, it wasn't really a hard decision to come home. It's a little frustrating now. I've basically got two months off before playing again, but um, you know, also got the security of, of knowing I've, I've got a job for the next two years. So, you know, I'm going to probably take that time to to enjoy some family time, um, enjoy having the support at home, and hopefully sneak a little bit of fishing in as well.
4: I imagine you'll get quite a lot of fishing in uh, at some point uh, throughout the, your stay at home, Ryan. Because I know that's one of your great passions. Going low in a tournament, golf tournaments, is, is one of your passions as well. Uh, and you set that victory up uh, with that wonderful first round performance uh, and maintained the lead wire to wire. Um, and that's that's pretty damn special, man. Because uh, that is having to withstand quite a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's
5: it was a. Uh it was a strange week obviously I'd, I'd missed the cut the week before and um, I was struggling with some back issues and I kind of sorted that out and didn't do much prep work at all for the second week but obviously that didn't uh it didn't matter as soon as we we're playing the same golf course two weeks in a row and felt really good Thursday and um it was nice to to shoot a score where everything kind of worked you know I've had plenty of rounds like that where I've walked off shot four under and felt like I've I've left a bunch out there and um that first round on Thursday was, you know, everything went well. I hold putts, I hit it solid, and then obviously to have the lead was nice. And um, I just had, you know, pretty good feelings the rest of the week. I, I felt pretty comfortable where the golf game was at, and um, obviously built a pretty good lead uh, up until Saturday. And then uh, it was a pretty nervy Sunday, to be honest. With with that much of a lead, you're just thinking about the what ifs, and you know, no one, yeah. not not no one remembers you if you win from there, but. Everyone remembers if you lose
4: from there. Yeah, well, that is, that are, you develop a reputation for it, which now you've firmly squashed, which is great. Uh, listen, uh, let's talk about uh, the, the night before. It's been uh, pretty well documented. Uh, you did not sleep well, but once you got to the course and you are actually hitting balls, et cetera, did, did it feel a bit better there?
5: Yeah, I, I, I mean, just the waiting around. Obviously, we were. I think our tea time was 11.30, and I woke up about 5.00. And there's not a whole lot to do. Um, I've been in my home company for four weeks. So I'm just sitting in my hotel room just kind of, you know, trying to check stuff on my phone. And, you know, all I can think of is, you know, you've got a six-shot lead, you better not stuff this up. There's that, you know, awful feeling in the pit of your stomach, that little, you know, you, those thoughts that you can't quite get control of. And as soon as I got on the range and started hitting balls, and it, you know, it felt fine on the range, those butterflies kind of eased a little bit. Um, they were still there, but it was certainly worse before I before I got to the course than when I actually started the warm-up. And, you know, I was definitely nervous on the first tee, but um, certainly not as nervous as I've been, you know, teeing it up in a major or, um, you know, in contention a few years ago. So it was, yeah, it was nice to, nice to be able to control them and, you know, still play relatively solid on Sunday, even though it probably wasn't quite as well as I played earlier in the week.
4: Are you a scoreboard watcher, Ryan? I mean, they're, they're sprinkled around the course, etc. One stage, I think the lead got down to a couple of shots. Were you aware of that?
5: Yep, yep. I can't help myself. I've got a watch. I mean, I know I could literally tell you exactly where my playing partners were on every hole of the day for every round of that week. Um, it's just me. I sort of tend to notice everything and remember everything. So, unfortunately, I can't be one of those guys that's just a bit blasé about what's going on and just... Kind of focus on myself, but I actually quite like that. Um, you know, I like knowing what I have to do in that sense. So, you know, I'm obviously two from six to two from a six shot lead to two shot lead in the space of about six or seven holes. You know, it, it wasn't looking great, but I knew I still had some birdie chances to come. And um, you know, I played pretty solid from from eight onwards, and was you know really really happy with how I played that back nine under that pressure and. It definitely made it look a bit more, well, the the final score was a bit more comfortable than what it felt. But, um, yeah, as I said, I was pretty happy with with how I dealt with those nerves and, you know, had a lot of good shots under pressure.
4: There's a bit of water on the right, I think, uh, from memory coming down the last. I I watched it again the other day. uh, Fascinating to watch it in replay, knowing the result. Um, And you can actually study you uh, a lot more closely as such. There's water on the right. So once you nailed that drive on the 18th, what were you feeling?
5: Basically I can't mess it up from here To be honest That was that was what I was thinking I wasn't a massive fan of that last tee shot um, it's, it, it played in and out of the left all week And that water just kind of creeps in enough That it's in your eye line And I'd hit one in the water on I think Friday And I think that was what I was having Sort of nightmares about the night before That getting down that last hole And having a one or a two shot lead And that tee shot was sort of giving me the heebie-jeebies So once I got that away, and I probably hit my best tee shot of the day down there. To be honest, it was a, mm-hmm. it was relief, and you know, basically, yeah, you can't mess it up from here. And then, yeah, I, I had, it was kind of a no-brainer to go up the green. There was a bit more room up there, and then when I hit it on the green, I it, sort of everything just let go, and I knew at that point, um, you know, there's no way I could have six putts, and um, you know, <laughs> it, I could enjoy the walk down 18, which was certainly a nice thing to do.
4: So, the walk, just uh, that walk, uh, is that a walk to say, yeah, I've won this tournament? Is this a walk to say, I've achieved a, a, a dream? Do you go deeper with that walk? And, and you know, you, you've secured your card, you've secured a lot of things in life. But, uh, I mean, how many, uh, I, I guess about a 280, 250 yard walk that you've got to in, uh, absorb all that. How many things go through your mind, mate? I, I mean, none, none of us will ever experience it, so.
5: I mean everything went through my mind I mean the first thing that went is you know I've won You know, I, I can't lose from here I've won the tournament um, the next one was you know probably it like that was a goal I've been wanting to tick off for a while you know obviously winning in Perth a few years ago was still awesome but it was a six hole match play event on the Sunday and it was kind of anyone could win from the top 20 and I didn't get that feeling of walking down the last with a lead and you know dealing with all that pressure in that sense so that was something I really wanted to tick off so that that was going through my head you know that's a massive thing you know to to go I've won a proper stroke play tournament on tour and then um you know there was the whole well I've got a job for two years I don't know or two more years I don't you know I've never had been in that position on tour before and had that much job security so there was a whole lot of stuff going on there and um, you know, it was pretty cool when I got to the green, there's a, quite a lot of my mates players stayed on and got a nice ovation from them. And that's when I could just not think about any of that stuff and just actually enjoy being there. And, you know, that's what you play golf for. You know, you don't get to do it very often. It's, it's one of those sports where, you know, I think it's Tiger at his best had a win percentage of around 30%. So even the best mm. don't, don't win that often. So you've got to, you've got to enjoy those moments when you get it. And, um, Yes, yeah, certainly when I got on that green, I, I kind of forgot about everything else and just tried to soak it all
4: up. I remember uh, reading a, a comment that you made, you don't really know how far you walked in that last round. I was watching that too, and even when you got to the green, you were doing some serious pacing while other players were going about their business. It was was almost quite funny to look at. Uh, was that just nervous energy you are just trying to expel?
5: yeah a little bit, and to be honest i'm impatient i mean you've you've you know my old old man well enough, and patience isn't a virtue of his um and it was sort of one of those ones obviously i knew the knew the final result. I just wanted to get it you know get hit those two parts and and be done with it kind of thing not not that I didn't want to enjoy it, but it was all the hard stuff was done, and it was like, okay, this is just a formality now and so there was a little bit of nervous energy I was getting rid of there was probably a little bit of impatience there. And to be honest, I'm like that normally. I mean, even if I could be like that first round in a tournament when I'm waiting, just I'm not on TV, so it probably looks worse when the camera's following me, you know, waddling around the green for a while. But, um, yeah, it's just that's just me. And it's, as long as I don't walk when someone's hitting a putt, it's generally all right. I probably just walk a fair <laughs> bit more than I probably have to.
4: So you've got a, a job on that tour. You know you've secured that. Um, what is that? What doors does it open at, up for other tournaments around the world securing that title, Ryan? Mm, nothing
5: much, really. I mean, it, it, I'm guaranteed every every DP World Tour event I want to play in the next... to well, the end of 24, so that's a good thing. That gets all the big Rolex series events that we have. Um, it gives me a chance at a couple of majors this year. I think my world ranking went up to around 120, so... That's got a chance for the p g a championship in may um so i'll have to I'll still have to play well um in a couple of events in late april to to guarantee that, but you know it certainly gives me a whole lot more chance than I had two weeks ago, and the other one is the open championship um I think they take top five of top twenty on the order of merit, not otherwise exempt a certain date in June I'm not sure exactly what that date is but again I'm in a good place on that order of merit I still need to play well in some events going forward but um, you know, again a lot better place than I was two weeks ago so it, in terms of tournaments it doesn't really give me anything else but it gives me a couple of chances at some big ones and obviously the, the job security and knowing I'm getting all the big events for the next two years is is huge.
4: So at this stage, I mean, uh, you know, you've got fishing and, and uh, daddy activities on the, have you even penciled a departure date or anything close to a departure date bearing in mind uh, those commitments overseas?
5: Yeah, we've uh, we've finally had our schedule announced at the back end of last week. Um, we were waiting on a couple of events in Asia uh, which were tentatively going to go ahead but Asia's still uh, got quite a few COVID restrictions so the tour... Decided we are going to go to Spain instead And that was announced last week I think the last two weeks of April We've got two events in Spain So I'm going to I think we've got three events in Africa in the next month And maybe one in Qatar So I'm going to skip those um, Obviously it's still a little bit tricky Getting back in here um, With the home ISO going forward So I don't It's kind of nice after the win I know I can just have a break And not really stress about missing a couple of tournaments And I'll go back in in April and probably of mid-April, and probably stay over there for most of the year. You know, depending on on what happens with with our border situation.
4: Well, Ryan, it's been great uh, catching up with you, mate. I'm so happy that uh, things have uh, worked out so well for you, and not just in the last two weeks, but it sounds like you've planned well and and it's all coming to fruition. And uh, let's just hope, more importantly, that the fish are biting when you venture out.
5: Thanks, Millie. I appreciate it. Can I just say a big thanks to everyone at home, the messages of support I got, uh, were just fantastic. And it's great to know that a lot of people stayed up and watched it and hopefully I didn't stress too many people out too much on that Sunday night.
4: No, it was great. I can promise you it was great. It was well worth losing a bit of sleep over, mate, just to see you at the forefront there from go to woe. An incredible victory. Congratulations. Thanks, Millie. Yes uh, ryan fox there folks um yeah uh, always very open about uh, his feelings and that. that's why i love talking about uh, golf with him and sport it with him and, and a bit like his dad too um you know they're very open they don't hold back you know and you, they wear it on their sleeve and you can see it in their body language whatever uh, the old man uh, terrific guy grant fox uh, i remember uh, commentating with grant fox in the 2011 world cup final rugby world cup final at Eden park uh grant fox actually left the commentary box for a while Um, because um, it was quite nerve-wracking for him as well, and uh, things got the better of him, and he had to (laughs) leave the commentary box, uh, and Nisbo was uh, calling up, unbeknown to anyone, Nisbo was up there by himself for just a short space of time, but uh, that is Grant Fox, and that is Ryan Fox, uh, who uh, is the latest champion that that we possess in golf. Uh, Big night uh, for, I guess, Sporting reporters, but sporting people in this country because it's uh, Halberg's time, Uh, Andrew Gordy. Have you got any absolute standouts there? i look through the categories. Very, very strong.
6: Very, very strong. Uh, Morning to you, Smithy. Morning, Kim. Uh, Morning to all the listeners as well. Um, There's an obvious standout, isn't there? I mean, the Queen is going to be... It's going to be the Queen's coronation tonight, I think. Uh, Dame Lisa Carrington. It's all all really going to be about her, isn't it? Let's be honest, um, especially knowing the way the way the judges vote, but she thoroughly deserves this. I mean, obviously, uh, Tokyo saw her become our, our greatest Olympic athlete ever. Um, but not only that, she was, I mean, if you look through the, the individual athletes, the standout individual athletes of the Tokyo Olympics, she was, she was right up there uh, with, with three gold medals. So she's going to deserve uh, absolutely everything tonight. But yeah, to, to cut a long story short, it's, it's really going to be all about her tonight.
4: What about cricket? Do you see cricket getting anything? Williamson, uh, Stead?
6: Look, yeah. If, if it was my decision, honestly, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously, for the News Hub, we've, uh, the, the, a lot of the sports department have put together their selections, and, yeah, for me, Black Cat's team of the year, I, and I'd even go Gary Stead, coach of the year, uh, and, for me, Ross Taylor's uh, hitting the winning runs is the is the sporting moment of the year as well. So, yeah, you can pretty clearly oh. see where my is lies. Do I think that's how it'll pan out? Absolutely not, because... Yeah, the, the our Halberg judges always go for the Olympic sports, don't they? So I absolutely expect uh, probably none of those
4: three to win the awards, frankly. So, so Gordes, you're not a judge, mm-hmm. uh, clearly? No? No. No, I'm
2: not.
4: Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Kim, Kim, Kimberly Kimberly <laughs> Downs, can you declare whether you're a judge or not? I
2: am um, not a judge either, so I'm also free to kind of uh, make some of the assertions that Cordy has on whatever topic <laughs> you would like me to a final. <laughs>
4: OK, Kimberly, then, uh, let's uh, look at your picks, bearing in mind uh, very little from Taranaki in the offing.
2: I know, I know. It's like, looks isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, look, I am I mean, you have to agree with, with Gordie there in terms of the fact that it's going to be Dame Lisa Carrington's night. There's just no one that um, comes close, really. I... I Suspect anyone and anything attached to her will also um, be a winner on the night. I do, would, I would say, I do think it's a little bit of a shame, though, on a night which is all about sporting celebration and success, and particularly, like Gordy said, that James's coronation effectively is that it will be such a scaled-down event because of the red light sitting. Mm. So that sort of thing is is a bit of a shame. Um, but yeah, I, I fully expect it to be all about her. I suspect James Sophie Pasco um, will again walk away with the with the Paralympic award. Um, I team for me is is the trickiest one. I know Gordy goes heart. Black Caps, I think it's it's probably unfortunate for the Blackburn Sevens that they're not going to get a look in. I suspect the judges will end up going with the rowing eight. Um, coach I also think is really tricky. I particularly if the black caps were to somehow win the team of uh, the year award, I would like to see Alan Bunting and Corey Sweeney pick that up. Again, do I think that'll happen? Uh, probably not but you know this is always the fun of it isn't it we get to uh, we get to sit there see who wins the awards debate about afterwards um, and you know all just keep chatting sports so win-win
4: okay uh, Gorge, let's stay on the subject of cricket shall we a two and a half day test match uh, which I just cannot fathom how poor South Africa were as good as we were Mm. I I just can't work that I can't work myself uh, through that and I find uh, it very hard to believe they can turn it around in a short space of time uh, how are you looking at test match number two?
6: Well, well, first of all, Smithy, I mean, we we were having this conversation last week and you and I were both, I, I think we both agreed that the Black Caps deserved to be underdogs heading into that first test. Yep. And, and we're, we're going to face a serious, serious test across the two matches. Uh, like you, I absolutely, I'm gobsmacked, frankly, at how poor South Africa were right across the board. And, you know, credit to the Black Caps. They... They have really bounced back, haven't they, from that that uh, that first test defeat against Bangladesh. They, they absolutely trounced Bangladesh in the second test, and then they've come out and delivered another another really really strong performance, both with bat and ball in the field. Um, they were utterly dominant, but I just cannot cannot believe how weak South Africa were with the bat. Um, but the fielding, I, I just I couldn't. It was it was village stuff, frankly. It brought back memories of grey cricket that I. have Frankly, didn't ever want to have to think about again. Um, just the it was it was appalling uh, to see some of those catches drop. These were like these were dollies really, that they they should have been taking. And it's hard to imagine how a team they must be terribly low on confidence. And and knowing how how well the Black Caps play. Uh, at, at Hagley Oval. I simply can't see them losing this test, that's for sure. I mean, South Africa might get up and we might have con- different sort of conditions in this test that, that mean that if they can drag this out and they, they might be able to secure a draw, but certainly I can't see the tables being turned at all. And, yeah, I think we can look forward to a first ever series win against South Africa. Hopefully they can win it um, to see them, yeah, incredibly, I suppose, return to the top of the, the ICC test rankings. And, and you know, that'd, that'd be some achievement, really.
4: It certainly would have. Who would have thought um, a month ago when they lost to Bangladesh they could have turned it around that quickly uh, to uh, the dominant way that they, uh, the dominant manner that they've been able to do it as well. Uh, news time uh, here on SCNZ. More from Andrew Gordy and Kimberly Downs after that. Here's Emma.
2: Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah.
4: It is uh, ten thirty-two here on SENZ. I uh, understand Andrew Gordy uh, wants to have uh, make a point or two about uh, Sportsman of the Year very shortly, but um, uh, of course, and we'll give him that opportunity as well, Kimberley. As uh, otherwise, he'll get he'll get shitty and he won't answer the phone next time round. So we will, uh, Kimberley. Here's
2: <laughs> here's I've here's on one for, it, you because, uh, a here for you
4: because <laughs> <laughs> I mean COVID COVID yeah COVID is a word we associate with sport like uh, batting bowling catching kicking um, whatever punching these days uh, <laughs> uh we just have to get used to it and, and you actually Kimberly I, I believe you sat down with uh, Sula Fitzpatrick who has had uh, COVID and, and had a chat to her about
2: it. Yeah, I I did yesterday. It was a really interesting insight, and I think I was I was very grateful for the opportunity because if there's one thing we haven't probably heard enough from it is from athletes who have experienced it, and and what they're going through when you're talking about it in a sporting context. Um, and Sulu Fitzpatrick, I mean, she is a wonderful leader, a wonderful role model. She's very open, um, very engaging to talk to all of the time, and it's it's really sad what she's had to experience since she got COVID. It's, it's the physical symptoms, I think. She talks about how she was emotionally overwhelmed from a mental standpoint. Um, isolation during that period while she was recovering was really, really hard for her, and now looking forward, and this is something that a lot of, athletes potentially are going to have to deal with. We haven't heard yet from, you know, any of the Moana Pacifica boys who are caught up in in this and super, for example, but it's the uncertainty, it's the unknown. And and what we were talking about was how when there's an injury and sometimes even an illness for an athlete, there's often a really set time frame that you can work towards. You know, you break your leg, you're in a cast for X amount of time, you're walking by X amount of time, you're expected to be back Mm. to full fitness. By a certain level of time but for her she's saying she doesn't know and, and the medical staff around her openly say look they're not really sure when they're talking about time frames because this virus affects athletes in such different ways or people in general in such different ways they don't actually know with any sort of certainty how it will impact the individual and what that then means for their recovery. So. In Sulu's case, it's been really hard because she's had, uh, she's had limited training time. She's really had to restrict herself because she's saying light training sessions feel like they were full-on conditioning sessions for her. Her heart rate uh, has been having to be monitored and she's got to keep her levels, um, her heart rate levels uh, between certain uh, levels. Sorry, her heart rate between certain levels. Her lungs are still recovering as well, and so she's still having some difficulties there. She's not sure whether she'll be able to play in that first um, match of the ANZ Premiership season. And so, for me, it was just a really good insight into actually what a lot of people are going to have to go through and the ongoing ramifications of that as well. Of course, the impact on your family, what it means for them, how you then best protect them, um, and particularly from an athlete perspective, how you manage to do it when your trade is, is effectively your that is that is how you make your money is playing sports so it is something that a lot of of people a lot of athletes are going to have to tackle and work their way through and I just think we're in for a really interesting time and a lot of uh, individual scenarios that are are going to fluctuate really wildly um, because there's really just no one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to this virus.
4: Yeah Uh, very interesting actually you know as you say we don't hear from uh, too many athletes, high-profile ones that have have been through it and come out uh, the other side. I do, I do, I do see, though, uh, Novak Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic is back playing um, in an ATP event where he's the number one CD coaster throw in the first round. So quite clearly he's been accepted uh, back into the fold in some regard. Anyway, OK, uh, Andrew Gordy, uh, I hear they've just finished building your soapbox. Off you go. <laughs>
6: Look, no, I mean, as you can probably tell by um, by our, our, our earlier conversation, I'm not a fan of the Helberg Awards. I've never been a fan of the Helberg Awards. And this year, I've got to say, there's one category in particular that has has really um, well, it's pissed me off, frankly. And I just think it's a really sad indictment on the Helbergs and the way they run and the way they're judged. I just cannot get my head around the fact that James McDonald, after the year he has had, How on earth is he not at least a finalist in the Sportsman of the Year category? I mean, there is literally nothing else that that guy could have done to prove that he is absolutely uh, the best in this part of the world, certainly, uh, at what he does. And I think there's a strong argument to say he is the very best jockey in the world. He won the Melbourne Cup. He won the richest race on turf in the world in the the, uh, the Tab Everest. He won 12 Group 1 races. Like, he is... He is such a consistent writer, but he consistently delivers in the, the biggest and best races of all. He had a new record for wins across the Melbourne Spring Carnival. I just can't understand why people, and, and I'm really actually interested, and I'd love to speak to one of the judges to find out what sort of information do they get? Because everyone knows what a gold medal at the Olympics means, right? They, they know that that's the pinnacle of the sport, and, and, and that's an easy thing to mark by. But but when it comes to sports that they clearly don't know quite as much about, what sort of information are they getting? How are they putting these achievements into into a context that they can understand? And I think that's something that the Halberg Awards really needs to work on, the information that they're providing to the judges so that they can make a fully informed opinion on what one person's achievement in one sport is and how it compares to the ones that we all know. We, We all know what a World Cup means. We all know what an Olympic gold medal means. Um, but yeah, this is one that I, I personally I cannot get my head around, and I think
4: I think James has been absolutely robbed this year End of France. Okay, so what what you're saying there is um, they could have uh, there's five in the in the sports women's category. Um, they could have perhaps extended it to five, so no one missed out. And I guess what you're also saying is, there, yeah, Gord, what's the difference? Uh, some people will say he's not doing it in New Zealand for New Zealand, uh, and some you'll turn around and say, well, what about Scott Dixon? How come he gets nominated yet? Yeah.
6: Exactly, Scott Dixon. I mean, you you could argue the same about Israel Adesanya. He's he's an individual athlete who's competing for himself. Um, One thing I will say, and I'm I'm clearly not going to name names here, but I did speak to one judge about about this very issue, and they said to me, "Look, I'll be honest. I think myself personally, I don't know enough about the sport. I don't know enough. I don't understand enough about the sport, and I think a lot of the fellow judges." Would just purely look at this and go, well, the horse does all the work. Now that is fundamentally not understanding, not just not just horse racing. It's not understanding sport and not having having an open mind to go right. What role has has this person played? It's, it's like it's like motor racing. Well, isn't it the car that does all the hard work rather than the driver? It's, it's actually identical situation. You can't you can't appreciate a, a driver in motorsports achievements and completely ignore the role of a jockey and in, a, in horse racing um, Like I say, James, James has done absolutely everything that, that he could do in the sport this year um, And it's really I think holding on on the Halberg Trust to do more To inform their judges About the achievements of these Athletes, um, because clearly the judges Aren't doing the work themselves to figure it out
2: I wish I'd not you
6: time. about anything okay. In my life,
2: as Gordy does about this yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I just look, well, I, and I'll, I'll I'll say this to you as well. I've i been I've, I've been equally passionate about about other um other decisions made by, by the Helberg Trust and by the judges uh, in previous years. Like there there are times when it is so obvious that the judging panel only cares about Olympic sports. And in fact, I, I think there's a strong argument, really, often to say that the purpose of the Halberg Awards is purely to recognise and uh, and celebrate the achievements of athletes and teams in sports that are funded by the government. And and I think it's time for that to end because, yeah, it's really undermining the integrity of what should be uh, the night and the event that cele- truly celebrates excellence in sport.
4: Andrew Gordy there were some uh, very strong thoughts. Um, Kimberly Downs, in 12 months' time, uh, we may well be talking about this and adding uh, a couple of Winter Olympians into the mix. I think we damn well should be. Uh, incidentally, uh, is anybody happy that anybody's home from the Winter Olympics yet? <laughs> <laughs>
2: absolutely uh we should to answer the first part of your question smithy uh absolutely we will be adding those names into the mix um and particularly i guess by by way of her going first zoe sadowski sinich given she was the first ever to win cold for new zealand at the winter olympics uh in answer to your second part of your question i assume you are alluding to the fact that my fiance is now back in new zealand uh after reporting on those games. he's very happy about that he is uh Hold up currently in his MIQ facility in Auckland, so we'll be looking forward to taking him uh, a few treats, including, I think, a good old flat white a little bit later on. Uh, no pressure good, but he's your colleague, so I hope you're coming to the party as well.
6: Yeah, actually, this is the first I've heard about this. I didn't realise that he was uh, MIQing in Auckland, so yes, we'll certainly, uh, myself and the, and the new sub crew, will certainly uh, do, our, do our best to, to send Ollie a few treats. Uh, he's definitely been a gold medalist for us. Uh, over the last couple of weeks there in Beijing, um, I really enjoyed seeing him uh, absolutely freezing—not uh, not quite to the Finnish scare sort of levels—but um, he's been absolutely uh, freezing his ass off there um, during two-way uh, checks uh, ahead of his live crosses. So he'll be he'll be pleased to be back home uh, in sunny
3: conditions, that's for sure. Um, and just and to, nothing to turn like this a
2: nice a, uh, media. To turn this into a media medal winning round uh, all round, I will also shout out here Jordan Offit from TVNZ, who managed in the yeah, live box okay. to catch a light that was blown over at her and um, has also done a phenomenal job. So I think we've been well represented on that front, although I haven't admitted bias.
4: Uh, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think the, the coverage has been absolutely fantastic. The performance has been outstanding. outstanding. Nothing like a warm cuddle. Uh, I would imagine Kimberly to uh, warm someone up if they were just a little bit cold. <laughs> Uh, but here's, uh, here's uh, just just before we just before we go, I'm going to give you the last shot at this because I'm sick of the sound of Gordy's voice. To be perfectly honest, but um, the, the super <laughs> yeah and Kate too. Um, here's the here's the thing. Uh, super rugby, super rugby, super rugby looks like it, it's emerging. It's emerging from Queenstown very quickly. The Chiefs are on their way home already.
2: Yes. it has been a little bit quicker than anticipated although I think I mean New Zealand rugby did kind of you know say there were no actual specific dates originally and that they might come out of it at varying times and all sorts of things but I mean they're working aren't they within the system that they've got at the moment and trying to make best decisions based on on the existing system it does make me wonder whether anything will now change with rugby as well who knows um but yeah, it's, the whole Queenstown bubble, I think, we'll look back on it in six months probably and just look at each other and go, oh, did that happen? Okay, that did happen. That was quite a weird time, wasn't it?
4: Okay, Kimberly Downs and Andrew Gordy, thanks very much for your time this morning. Actually, Kimberly, just uh, one word answer. When does, uh, when does Ollie get out of, um, of uh, MIQ? Uh,
2: Wednesday, I believe.
4: Okay, so we'll call you next Wednesday and see how it's going. Okay, thanks very much for your time. Uh, Kimberly Downs and Andrew Gordy there with the panel. Uh, It is 10.45 here on SENZ. Well, Richie's come in and said, For me, the Halberg Awards are another chance to celebrate the amazingly awesome achievements of my modern-day heroes. Sure, not everyone gets a gong on the night, but I get to reminisce those achievements again. Uh, We'll be sitting on the couch with a box of tissues uh close at hand so uh richie i think there'll be a lot of people looking at reminiscing some of those highlights packages will be great um simon has come in and said don't sweat it andrew it's subjective and he says, uh, pretty sure the all blacks have won a few over the years and uh, haven't seen them at the olympics so uh very good and uh, another one from philip and grant have uh, said really enjoyed that interview with foxy uh, liked his comments regarding nerves going into the final round. Very honest and open, wasn't he, Ryan Fox, in that regard? Uh, we got races coming up uh, today at Pukikoi, uh, and we'll be catching up with uh, Taino Walters very shortly. He might just have a winner for us.
2: The Loveracing.nz update Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit Loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs>
4: I'm pleased to say Taina Walters is back in the saddle for us again today and that is quite appropriate uh, Taina because uh, they are racing at Pukakui today but uh, before we get to there and maybe a a tip, uh, racing in Australia this weekend, it's uh, getting very exciting as autumn comes round.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. too. And we see the return of a Melbourne Cup winner, of course, is very elegant. She'll be pairing up with uh, James McDonald again too. And uh, one of the, one of the prolific group ones over there, the Chipping Norton. I think uh, Tiago Shark won it a few years ago. And, and again, uh, James McDonald will be he'll be back on another very talented horse called Cool and Gutter, won the Magic Millions too. So see those good horses making a return to as Autumn comes to the fore, That's for sure.
4: Okay, so Pukekohe today, uh, it's a dead four I think the last time I looked, nice and fine
0: up there,
4: uh, and quite good fields too, Tainer, have you got anything that we might be interested in?
0: Yeah, when it comes to Pukikaui, uh one of the local trainers, Nigel Tiley, or Mr Tyley as, uh, as he goes by and everyone calls him. He always gets a couple of winners on the card there. You can guarantee that for sure. And I don't mind a horse uh, in race seven there too called Midnight Mass. It's paying $2.52, which is pretty short, but uh, that, that's probably its reasonable price at one first stop well, in its first start, and I think it will be going pretty close today.
4: Okay, so uh, Tana Walters there with his uh, thoughts. Actually, Tana, before we let you go, quick uh, a quick one. Uh, James McDonald, should he have been nominated for the Halberg? Should he be in the final?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, the the things he's been able to achieve over in Australia, it hasn't been done for a Kiwi in a long time, especially after the Melbourne Cup and all that stuff. But year after year, he delivers on a global scale. He's one of the best riders in the world, no doubt. Top five for sure. And and he should be nominated. I think we get a little overlooked here in the racing industry when it comes to those awards.
4: Fair enough, Tainer. I think a lot of people in your camp as well. Pitt Morris might be as well as we head across. uh, to the TAB Pip, so saw a really good dog yesterday, it might have been the, the last race on the long card at Invercargill, a uh, dog called Lonely Gemma, uh, looks impressive, it was only uh, a, a sort of an average race, but gee, what a, a dog in the making it might be.
2: Certainly looks that way, Smithy, good morning to you, yeah, that was an impressive win, and look we've got Palmerston North Greyhounds to look forward to again today, 10 race card, and I think there's some really nice up and comers on the programme as well. Went for the best in race number three, big time Rover, only a dollar eighty, but I really think it's a multi-maker if you want to play that way. And look, Smithy, race seven and race nine, I think they're both races that you can pick the Quinella. big time ballet off, ballet off box number one there with Violet, really looks the Cornella And race nine, similar, big time Tink with Tess, and Tess is at eight fifty. I really think she's over the odds there, she's value. And then of course we've got Puka to look forward to today. Bonus back across the first four races as well, Smithy, and the best batch in all four races. Uh, the two favourites, and you'll see that with the market moves. And we've got a twenty-five thousand dollars guaranteed late quid. And I better quickly get in there and say, yes, James McDonald should have been nominated.
4: Okay, thought you might. Thought you might. Pip. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Have a fantastic day uh, around uh, your activities. Uh, it's coming up to eleven o'clock here on SENZ uh, We got Brendan Telfer. They say. Uh, someone else is the doyen, no this guy is, Brennan Telfer is the doyen uh, With his thoughts on the Halbergs coming up uh, after the 11 o'clock news uh, Very interesting to see that, uh, how he breaks it down Long time judge, uh, long time observer of New Zealand sport Right, let's get onto the subject uh, of the day really uh, And uh, this bloke I love talking to um, He has interviewed me a bit over the years, so I've interviewed him once And uh, that was uh, too long ago uh, so tonight's the night where the New Zealand sporting public get into arguments over who deserved to win uh, what at the Helberg Awards. We were spared the debate last year when the annual event was postponed due to COVID. So we have two years worth of sporting achievements to debate, and to help us do so is broadcasting legend, and I mean that, uh, Brendan Telfer. Uh, Telf, good morning to you.
7: Thanks, you? How are you?
4: I'm um, really good uh, Actually, uh, before we start on that uh, We had a chat to Ryan Fox this morning That was a great one, wasn't it? You'd have loved that
7: Yeah, I did, yeah I, I do remember uh, uh, I was, a, it was a playing golf the next morning That I didn't want to I had about a 7 p.m. tee-off or something So I didn't want to stay up all night and watch the golf But it was just so compelling And uh, I remember <laughs> Going to bed at about 20-3 uh, to three in the morning And one of my playing mates said i oh, uh, when I got to the golf course a few hours later, he said, nah, mate, he said, I, I bailed out at uh, one o'clock, but my wife, he said, my, my watch stayed up till quarter to three watching it. But yeah, I was very pleased for him. Um, he, when it really mattered, he dug deep and found some shots that uh, just kicked him clear of the field. And uh, he was in a bit of trouble early on in his round. And I, thought, well, you know, they were coming at him left, right and center. But uh, uh, one of the great strengths of Ryan Fox as a golfer is his ability to ground rounds out and ground them out well. And even if he's not playing well, he still knows how to score reasonably well. And that's what he did that night and that morning. And um, I I hope he wins a few more.
4: I think he will. I think he will. We may, we may well, uh, this time next year, be talking about him in one of these categories that we're about to enter now because it is the night when uh, all is revealed on these sporting performances. Uh, Telf, let's go through them uh, category by category in your thinking anyway. Uh, Sportswoman of the Year, uh, Dame Lisa Carrington, uh, Courtney Duncan, of course, a young lady who's superb at motocross. Emma Twigg, what a great story. Sarah herni. Great uh, role model. And Lydia Coe, who, whose year just gets better and better.
7: Uh, yes, well, the irony here is, I suppose, uh, Lisa Carrington should win this uh, by the length of the home straight, but every one of the remaining contenders or finalists in that category, probably on any number of years, um, would win the Sportswoman of the Year based on what, they do, uh, what they've what they done over the last one or two years. Uh, Courtney Duncan winning the world championship i think for the third time in motocross that very emotional performance of in the twigs and the single skulls at the olympic games lydia co um yeah um, for me when golfers get into the final of these categories they have to have won a major to take off the big prize i always think a major championship is the equivalent to a gold medal at the olympic games or a world championship. And Lydia didn't win a major last year. She had a very good year, best for four or five years, and she climbed quickly up the world rankings. I think she's in the top five now, where she hasn't been for a while. But she really didn't do enough, I think, to stop Lisa Carrington. And winning three gold medals is quite extraordinary. It was uh, She's a, probably, for me, a runaway winner in this category.
4: OK, so uh, Lisa Carrington wins that one. Let's uh, pop across to the men where there are Uh, Just four nominees uh, when it comes to um, our particular category here. Hamish Bond rowing, Scott Dixon motorsport, Kane Williamson cricket, and you will well remember the great old days of squash in New Zealand, and all of a sudden, again, we see a squash player in there and Paul Cole. Uh,
7: Well, again, for me, there's a runaway winner here. Well, a clear winner. I shouldn't say runaway, I suppose. It's not fair to the other contenders, but for me, um, Kane Williamson was... the the outstanding New Zealand sportsman over the last few years for quite a few reasons not just uh, for the way he led the team and performed in that world test championship final Um, and I think he was probably without much doubt from memory the player of of that match a very low scoring game he scored the most runs in that um, final more importantly he was there when New Zealand were two for I think 39 or 40 in that second innings only chasing 140 odd but um, India had a sniff and got either Taylor or Williamson I suspect that 140 might have been rather difficult for New Zealand to have scored on that um, pitch down there at Eastbourne or Southampton wherever it was but again when we needed Williams Williamson he stepped up and he guided New Zealand to victory along with Ross Taylor he scored I think 101 runs in that test match far more than anyone else so that alone I think we should get in the sportsman of the year, but his captaincy was absolutely superb. I mean, there's many uh, outside of New Zealand who think he is the best captain in Test cricket, and I think he showed it uh, in that Test match against India, and you look at the resources that Kohli can call on from uh, Indian cricket, and then you look at the small gene pool that we've got in New Zealand, and for us to do well in international cricket, we've got to have an inspirational captain. Uh, that's what uh, Williamson is. I mean, I hear guys who play with them say so it's just an honour to be around them, let alone to play with them and let alone to be out there batting in the middle. And this is what he's done for New Zealand cricket. I mean, when New Zealand, uh, when the World Test Cricket Championship started, Smitty, I would have given you my house on the fact that there's no way they'd make the final, let alone win it. I mean, for all of our mm. years, all due respect to the great victories that uh, you and your colleagues had, When you look back on the 80 or 90 years of New Zealand's history in Test cricket, a good year in Test cricket for New Zealand historically has been where we might sort of sneak up into the middle of the pack. But to win the World Championship, to have to beat countries like India and Australia and others, uh, seemed beyond the scope of the, uh, the sport in this country. The fact that we did win it, a lot of it is due to one guy, Kane Williamson, so Sportsman of the Year.
4: OK, well, that leads us into the next category then, Tenth, and there's five uh, in this one. Uh, the women's rowing pair of uh, Kerry Gowler and Grace Prendergast. The, the men's rowing eight, there's a lot of romance about that, and you will remember last time around. Emirates Team New Zealand, uh, which is an interesting one in itself, the Black Fern Sevens, and, of course, the Black Caps. So does uh, Williamson's uh, success and dominance in his category, uh, does, it, does that just roll over into the ne- the coach, uh, the team of the
7: year one as well? Yes, it does for me. I mean, I've just sort of (laughs) given you a spiel about why Williamson uh, should win the sportsman of the year. And uh, he is, you know, he's he's such an inspirational player uh, that he's lifted the game in this country single-handedly. He's done extraordinary things. I mean, okay, he's not a bowler, so I suppose you could say, well, you know, that's someone else's area. But I think even our bowlers. Um, uh, inspired by Williamson when he's batting and they see what he's doing with the bat and it inspires their performances as well. So for us to win that World Cricket Championship, I still shake my head and, uh, when I see about it and read about it. I'm thinking, will he win the World Test Cricket Championship? You see, it was only a few years ago that we were just, I think, 43 or 46 in a Test match against South Africa. And then we mm-hmm. There's there I mean the struggling around the rowing eight um, team New Zealand and the uh, re- retaining the America's Cup and um, uh, those other performances as well but for me um, team of the year black Caps.
4: okay fine uh, para athlete and team of the year nominees to- Dame Sophie Pascoe Lisa Adams Holly Robinson Anna Grimaldi and Tupu Noifi in the swimming category
7: Well, I think this kind of epitomizes or typifies, I suppose, just what a fantastic year or two years New Zealand has had for sport because every one of those names that you've just read out in the para uh, category are all gold medalists at um, Tokyo last year at the Paralympics. I mean, and that's sort of kind of typically so many uh, outstanding performances in all of these categories. I'm not sure whether we've had um, a year or a Helberg Awards with so many World Championships, and Olympic medals. The only thing really missing from uh, 2021, um, I guess, was the Rugby World Cup. But, of course, it wasn't played last year, so we can forget about that. But um, for me, I, I guess you can't really go past Sophie Pascoe. What did she win? Two golds, I think a silver and a bronze. Three athletes in that category, interestingly enough. Are Lisa Adams, uh, Holly Robinson, and... Um, also, Tupo uh, so, uh But all of them, uh, Olympic gold medalists, and in any other year, if Sophie Pascoe wasn't there, probably one of those would have been a, uh, a fitting champion. But once again, I think it's uh, gone goes to Sophie.
4: Right, OK, that's uh, pretty clear-cut in your mind. So we go to coach of the year. Now we're, we've got the, the women's sevens, the black men's sevens, of course, coached by uh, Alan Bunting and Corey Sweeney. Uh, the black caps by Gary Stead. Uh, canoe racing, Gordon Walker, and rowing, Tony O'Connor. Just uh, Telfs uh, drifting in and out a wee bit. I think he's uh, parked on the side of the road somewhere. We may have uh, just lost him momentarily. John Dave fevering away behind the scenes. Hopefully, uh, Telf will get back with us because we're uh, we're going to try and uh, uh, call him back here, folks. So yeah. Uh, just repeating those uh, nominees for Coach of the Year uh, Alan Bunting, Corey Sweeney, uh, that's for Sevens, Gary Stead from Cricket, Gordon Walker from Canoe Racing, and uh, Tony O'Connor from Rowing. Um, and uh, just uh, seeing if I've got the thumbs up to see if Telf is back for that last category. Uh, so very, very firm on Lisa Carrington, very firm on Kane Williamson, Sophie Pascoe, and the Black Caps. Uh, so, Telf, we get to the coach, uh, and as I said, Alan Bunting. Corey Sweeney for rugby, uh, Gary Stead uh, for cricket, Gordon Walker, canoe racing, and Tony O'Connor for rowing.
7: Well, just going back to the days, many years ago when I was on the panel, uh, when it came to the coach of the year, I would look back at the other categories and see uh, if any of the names in coach of the year can be established with um, perhaps potential winners or finalists in other categories. And here... Therefore, I can't go past Gordon Walker, uh, who I think has been the coach of Lisa Carrington uh, right from the word go, right back as far as the uh, London Olympics when she won her first gold medal. I think he's been uh, her coach since then. Any coach, surely, that wins or has got a charge for an individual team, for that matter, that wins three gold medals at the same Olympics. Uh, how can you top that? And you look at the performances of Gary Stead. Yes, I mean, in uh, another year, Gary Stead guiding the team, coaching the team to the world, A Test Championship final and Test cricket uh, probably would have been easily enough to have taken coach of the year. Um, but for me, um, you can't go past Gordon Walker.
4: Okay, Gordon Walker then, uh, very, very heavily uh, associated with canoe racing over the years, terrific coach and uh, inspiration Uh, and mentor for uh, Dame Lisa Carrington. So that brings us to uh, the overall winner, the actual Halberg winner itself, uh, Telf. So uh, out of that, I'm assuming Dame Lisa Carrington, uh, Kane Williamson, the Black Caps, Dame Sophie Pascoe, and Gordon Walker are the five in, in your reckoning. So which one?
7: Uh, Well, it's probably the toughest one. I mean, I've been singing the praises of the Black Caps um, and it was an an historic event in the... History of New Zealand sport, what the Black Caps did. We may never win another World Test Championship, although, uh, you know, the form in the last couple of test matches suggests that we might have a good run over the next cycle as well. But for me, it has to be Lisa Carrington. I mean, when I was watching her in, uh, in, in Tokyo winning those gold medals, she reminded me of Peter Snell at his best. I'm old enough to remember. Sort of kind of vaguely Peter Snell and the footage of him in Rome and, and in Tokyo. And the way he would not just toy with the field, but uh, when he wanted to, when he just pressed the um, afterburner button, you know, with maybe three, 400 meters to go somewhere down the back straight, he was gone. No one could stay with him. And this is how Lisa Carrington wins her gold medals or wins her titles. She's there um, right from the start. She doesn't come from behind. She goes out hard. Um, And then when it matters, she just hits the afterburner and like Snell, she just burns off everyone else, the best in the world. And she did that three times out of three and even in a boat with a a, a partner. And so for me, it's the style as much as the kind of haul of three gold medals is extraordinary. But the way she did it, it was just, as I said, something right up there with uh, Peter Snell at his best back in the 1960s. So for me, she gets the Supreme Award.
4: Brendan, Telfer, always uh, great to, to catch up with you, especially at a time of the year where uh, you can cast your eye on over uh, all our activities and, and pick them out. And I think uh, you're pretty much right on the money. I won't be too surprised if you've got uh, six out of six when we hear about it later tonight. Uh, not uh, quite the same ceremony, but uh, we'll get to enjoy it in, in some capacity anyway, Telf, Hope you're well. Uh, hope the golf's going well. Thanks for your time this morning.
7: No problem, Smitty. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
4: Cheers, uh, Brendan Telford there, folks. Uh, he is the doyen, um, make no mistake, when it comes to all-round sporting knowledge in this country. Uh, and he is uh, the man who, uh, I believe, uh, deserves that title. Uh, and uh, he's been doing it for so, so long. And uh, I trust his judgment on all of those. Uh, he was a long-time judge. I was too for a while. Uh, actually, I think Telfer and I gave up around about the same time because the format of judging changed. Uh, back in those days, um, you were able to sit around a table, uh, the number of judges were uh, smaller in terms of its size. You were able to sit around a, a, a table and debate. They got you down to Wellington, and you debated the whys and wherefores. You stuck up for your ones. You fought for your ones, etc., cetera, in every different uh, capacity. Keith uh, Quinn was very much part of that. Joseph Romanus, some of the old journos as such. Uh, and there was good, healthy debate at the end of it, and you came up with the results. These days, of course, it's like a lot of things. that goes into a melting pot uh, through your computer system, Uh, used to be I think Deloitte Haskins or one of those very very big uh, auditing type uh, accountancy companies Uh, they get all the the figures together and at the end of the day they just bring out the ones that are the most popular without too much debate, so the debate is left for us at home on the couch or uh, on the airwaves to be fair Uh, we'll be talking about that tomorrow morning the results, but they were Brendan Telfers picks and they'll be pretty close to the mark I assure you, 11.19 here on SENZ 11.24 here on SENZ, Uh, Michael Holdsworth is coming, g'day Michael, I remember the old radio sport days uh, hearing Brendan Telfer, Uh, great to hear him again, certainly is, Um, and uh, we'll tap into Telfer every uh, now and then, he's a busy guy, Uh, and uh, of course uh, his knowledge is uh, second to none in this country, so yep, we'll keep in touch with uh, Brendan Telfer, and it's nice to, to reminisce with him, but he's a great supporter of golf. Uh, tough, even though uh, he plays it himself, uh, more the watching side of things, and uh, he studies golf very carefully. As this Peter Williams, actually, former uh, TVNZ newsreader and uh, sports commentator as such. Very, very keen golfing people. Uh, right, the Highlanders have just come up with their team to face the Crusaders. Now, that match, of course, is under the roof in Dunedin uh, this uh, weekend. It's uh, a Friday night game. Uh, 7.05 is the kick-off time. Uh, so uh, we'll start uh, from back to front. Connor Garden, Bishop, Sam Gilbert. So Connor Garden, Bishop starts at 15, where Sam Gilbert started at 15 last week. Gilbert goes on to the right wing. Uh, Fatuli Paya in the, in the 13 jersey. Thomas Umanga Jensen and Josh Timu stays on the wing. Uh, Mitch Hunt and Aaron Smith stay together. That's the same combination. Uh, as is uh, Gareth Evans in there at number eight. James is uh, Shannon Frizzell, Josh Dixon, uh, Manaki Selby Rickett. They uh, are the locking combination and the front row uh, from memory, the same as well. Uh, Ethan de Groot, uh, Liam Coltman, and Jermaine Ainsley. And the reserves, Reese Marshall, Daniel Leonard Brown, Josh honick uh, Bryn Evans comes in uh, to the reserves along with uh, Marino, Michaeli Tu'u, Falao uh, Fokatawa, uh, Marty Banks, and Hugh Renton. So they are your Highlanders uh, for the game this weekend against the Crusaders. And that, as always, a uh, pretty close uh, derby match, to be fair, and uh, brings the best out of the um, of the Highlanders. And if they are to have a great start to the season, they've got to cash in uh, playing those uh, early games at home. So New Zealand, uh, here's an interesting one for women's sport, actually, because these uh, this particular particular group of women are probably the most high-profile sporting team in the world. We've talked about that with Jenny Bindon, a uh, former White Ferns coach, uh, goalkeeper, football fence goalkeeper, or should I say. Uh, and she was talking about uh, the fact that uh, the uh, U.S. women's teams are the pioneer in football in terms of getting uh, equality or close to it for both men and women. So uh, the governing body, U- U.S. soccer and the U.S. women's national team have now agreed to resolve a year-long dispute over equal pay on what the players described as a landmark day for the sport. The settlement will see $33 million distributed in a manner proposed by the players and approved by a district court. U.S. Soccer also committed to providing an equal rate of pay going forward for the women's and men's national teams in all friendlies and tournaments, including World Cups. An additional $3 million will be put into a fund to benefit players in their post-career goals and charitable efforts related to women's and girls' football. Uh, the agreement ended a dispute dating back to 2016 when some players filed a federal wage discrimination complaint claiming they were paid less than male players even though they generate more income for the United States Soccer Federation. Now that in itself, uh, Logan, is quite an interesting one because that is uh, the reverse to what we're used to uh, in this part of the world. Normally it's been, and because men have dom- uh, men's sport has dominated the scenes, It's the men's sporting scenes that that generate the income. And that's always been the age-old argument for a lot of people who aren't quite necessarily in the know. But they've said, you bring in the crowds, you bring in the sponsorship, you get more uh, reward for doing that. Well, uh, in America, of course, they outrank the U.S. men's soccer team, which is uh, an interesting scenario and has brought about this decision.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a huge proponent and supporter of women's sport. And this is such an awesome deal for the uh, U.S. women's national team. We saw there uh, just the other day when they were playing the football ferns just how big of a deal they are! That the stadium just looked amazing. It was great to see a stadium full of fans. Let's be fair, uh, in this day and age, and they were getting right behind, right behind them. You could see them wearing the merch. They're rocking those jerseys. Uh, so they are up there on the pedestal. Like they are massive superheroes over there. They love their football team, uh, and. Curiously enough I love the mention of post football, what's going to happen there, we heard George Worker earlier on the show talking about what is he going to do after cricket and I think that is really important uh, for all athletes, it's, uh, it's a message that uh, my own mum drummed into me years ago is you know you can chase your dreams and everything but you got got to make sure you've got something to fall back on so I'd love to see it.
4: So my big question to you and your mum is what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> You're chasing your dream. Uh, anyway we'll move up. no need to answer that one no one need to answer that Logan we'll catch up with you in due course uh, but what we have to do is tell everyone it's uh, 0800, 150 is the is the 0800 150 811 is the phone number 0800 150 is the phone number and it's stump smithy time here on SCNZ in the mornings it was 1130 Ian
3: Smith's had a good match here
2: stumped by smithy Ian
3: Smith really is top class at his job
1: that's right, you've got producer Swink stepping up into the big leagues with uh, JD manning the phones. Uh, Smithy, I know you were wondering if Stump by Smithy would continue on uh, with JD leaving the show after tomorrow. Uh, yes, it will. It is one of my favourite parts of the show. Absolutely love it. Uh, first up, though, we do have Anton on the line. Anton from Auckland. How are you doing, mate?
7: Yeah, not too bad, pal. How are you doing?
1: Good. Uh, loving being here. So do you know the rules of Stump by Smithy? Yeah, I think i got a grasp on it, eh? All right, awesome to hear, mate. Uh, so what you can do here, you can win $50 worth of TAB vouchers and some sleep drops, Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. We've got three categories here. If you answer all three correctly, you win it all, mate. So we've got basketball, Halbergs, how topical of us, and golf. Which one are you picking? Ooh. Uh
7: probably basketball would be my best.
1: Oh, i love to hear it. This one has been on my books for a while now. So, you ready to go? Sure am. All right, let's go. Which team is Kiwi basketball legend Sean Marks, the general manager of?
7: Uh, The Brooklyn Nets.
4: Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes.
1: Nice work, mate. Absolutely. Sean Marks, what an absolute legend. Would
4: you have that one, Smithy? I had that under control, so uh, that's disappointing because I won't know all three basketball questions. That might have been my goer. However, (laughs) Anton, well done.
1: All right, we'll see how you go, Anton. Kawhi Leonard has won two NBA titles in his career so far, but which team did he win an NBA championship with in 2019?
7: Oh, Kawhi. Um, geez, that's 2019. Oh, I'm gonna have to have a stab here. 2019 Championship. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, it's the Raptors. Just a couple of chips down the wicket,
4: right
1: in the slot, and away it goes. That's right, that's my team, the lovely Toronto Raptors there. Huge moment for the city to finally win a championship, long-suffering sports city. Smithy, would you have had that one?
4: Yeah, was was that with Kyle Lowry? Was was Lowry part of that mix as well with the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, I think I might have got that, actually. I might have got that one as well. So, uh, one to go. Everything up for grabs. A one-question shootout here for Anton. (laughs)
1: All right, Anton, it's all on the line here. Good luck, mate. Last question. How many Australian NBL teams has Mika Vicona played for during his career?
7: Oh, my God. <laughs> um, oh, that's yeah. a long career. Breakers. Uh, Australian only, not counting for breakers, you see?
1: No, breakers are included in that. They are part of the competition.
7: Oh, okay. Um, Jesus. Let's go... Wild 7 the dark. Oh, three.
0: One of the worst things ah. I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
1: Smithy, your turn.
4: Well, obviously the breakers he played for, um, and I know he's... Uh, He's been a, a legend there before, uh, even the Breakers. Were. He's been around so long, Mika uh, Vacona. One of the great servants of the game here. I'm going to say he's played for five. One of the worst things
0: I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
1: Unfortunately not, Smithy. The actual answer was four. Uh, Mika Vakona, the great man that he is, has played for the New Zealand Breakers, the Brisbane Bullets, more recently. But, of course... Yeah, uh, he did two stints of the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, after the first one, he also played for the now defunct South Dragons and Gold Coast Blaze before going back to the Breakers. Uh, so, high luck there, Anton. Okay. But you do get fifty dollars to your tab account. So, stay on the line there, and JD will get your details.
7: Cheers.
4: Yeah, well done, Anton. You're a winner today. Thank you. It's eleven thirty-seven here on SENZ. What I was thinking there is Logan. Of course, uh, I counted the the two stints at the at uh, the, the breakers together because they were two different breakers squads, but uh, uh, that's all right. No, I I won't pick you up on that. That's uh that would have been five, not four, but okay, we'll count that as four. Uh, so very shortly we shall come back with a couple more of your ticks. Uh, and uh, uh an impression of on what uh, Telf was saying about the Black Caps. Some people say perhaps the Black Caps uh, uh have to win away from home to be more worthy of winning the Halberg uh, Supreme Award or even Team Award. They might well be right. That might come into play. It's 11.38 here on SENZ. Uh, 11.44 here on SENZ. Uh, Interesting news coming out of the NFL as well. Of course, uh, we've said goodbye by the look of it to Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, We've said goodbye to Tom Brady pretty much on their own terms. And now we get this uh, little tweet or this Instagram post coming through yesterday from Aaron Rodgers who Uh, Has been, of course, with the Green Bay Packers since, uh, like, uh, feels like forever. Uh, But here's the post. To my teammates past and current, you are the icing on the beautiful cake we call our job. Football. The friendships that we have uh, will transcend our collective time in this game. And I am so thankful for the role that each of you have played in making my life that much better. I love you guys and cherish the memories we've made. Uh, Could he be retiring? Uh, I would imagine if you look at the language and the tone involved in that, um, I would think so, Logo.
1: I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing his own game here and he is playing us all for fools. Uh, I I mean, quite likely, I think he he will come back. Uh, You're right, he has been with the Packers pretty sure his whole career. He took over from the great Brett Favre uh, and has steered the Packers to numerous Super Bowl victories. Very, very cryptic there on his Instagram. Uh, It started with, I I think it was like a motivational quote and then some nice photos. But yeah, I mean, who's <laughs> to say, Greg Rosenthal, analyst for the NFL Network, um, he tweeted a reaction, said, if only we had some track record of Aaron Rodgers doing something vague or misleading to get a rise out of people.
4: Yeah, uh, and it's, it is uh, interesting whether he's fishing, fishing for another gig, uh, fishing to uh, for a bigger deal. But uh, he wasn't even that happy at the start of this season, to be fair. There was all sorts of rumblings and rumours and things. I mean, his life is turned to the pack since uh, he split up with Danica Patrick. And I understand why, too. Uh, it just hasn't been the same. Uh, how about uh, this one for uh, too many cooks in the kitchen? Uh, the West Tigers are contemplating having five captains this year. Coach Michael Maguire has turned back the clock and split the captaincy five ways uh, after naming one of the largest leadership groups in NRL, NRL history, to be fair. Uh, and This was after last year when, uh, you'll remember, James Tomo led the, the Tigers. Maguire has settled on five players appointed by teammates to take the leadership roles Uh, so they include uh, Tyrone uh, Peachy just a new recruit Uh, Tomo will be back in the fold Uh, Adam Duihi uh, Luke uh, Brooks and uh, Ken Momalo Uh, the Tigers have confirmed the five players will share the captaincy throughout the season it comes after Maguire adopted a similar approach during his time at South Sydney going for a quintet of captains in his first year can't remember if they won Uh, back in uh, 2012 Uh, but I'm probably not sure that they did, did they Luke? No I I saw that
1: stat and I was very curious because like you said, way too many cooks in the kitchen there, Uh, I don't know why James Tamo just can't continue to do it himself because he is an incredible leader and footballer but uh, back in 2012 is, is rookie season as an NRL coach with the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He finished, well they finished third on the ladder with 16 wins and 8 losses. They made it as far as the preliminary final but got knocked out by the Bulldogs. And uh, funnily enough, after that season, Smithy, they reverted back to a single captain.
4: Wow, that's interesting. So it proved a successful forum there. Uh, let's just uh, see what unfolds there. But uh, Things are all, leadership and, and five captains are things, when everything is going well, it's uh, easy to digest and easy to handle, and it uh, turns to the proverbial. Uh, and there's so many differing opinions in the dressing room. Uh, who is the ultimate boss? I imagine he's got to have one ultimate boss somewhere in that loop. Uh, Mike has come in and said, "I can't argue with Telf's picks. He agrees 100 percent." So Brendan Telf's picks on the the Helberg Awards tonight, uh, and also uh, uh, another one is coming in saying, no, "Though Telf off the mark, the backcaps didn't beat Australia." Uh, that was quite some time ago. They lost 0-3 in the, the latest series. Yep, they certainly did. They were wallet. But uh, they've won a, uh, they haven't won very many Test matches out of New Zealand. Well, uh, yeah, they, they haven't won as many. They're tending to win a few more, I think it's fair to say. Uh, but if they're ever going to win it, if they're ever going to win this Salberg Award, uh, I think this is it. Uh, I, I really do. I, 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 no one's talked about the fact we got uh, to the T20 Grand Final as well. Um, and, you know, all those reasons that Telfair put together, put together, put forward for Kane Williamson as an individual, I think, pretty much roll over into the team side of things. And uh, they are the complete unit, uh, really speaking. I mean, they, they don't even uh, need to pick a guy who got 10 wickets in one innings. And it'll be interesting to see where that comes into play uh, down the track in terms of individual awards. But uh, that was quite unique. So it's the Halbergs tonight, and they're on uh, Sky Sport, and uh, they're live on free TV on Prime as well, I understand, to be able to sit back. And uh, what I like about those, not necessarily the speeches and things, it's looking back on their events, looking back on those moments, which are so uh, absolutely special. And the sporting moment too will be interesting. Uh, will it be Ross Taylor hitting the winning runs in Southampton uh, to win the World Test Championship? just might be a big night for cricket, uh, who knows, 1150 Uh, When we come back, it will be time to catch up with Staffy.